listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Did you just hear that crunch? That's the sound of autumn leaves, brought to you by Deciduous Trees, the sponsor for this episode of Rootbound. It's not fall without deciduous trees. performance of the U.S. economy over the past year has been quite favorable. Real GDP growth picked up to more than 3% over the four quarters of 1998. In closing, I would like to announce that oak leaves will replace the dollar as our accepted form of currency. And therefore, I expect an end to the welfare state by mid-fall. I'm a bit of a leaf peeper. What the fall leaves are you talking about, pumpkin? Just butt out of this, Thomas. Go fidget with your foliage. It's called competitive leaf raking, and it's a real sport. Competitive leaf raking? And it's not just raking leaves. It's raking leaves against a stopwatch while also wearing intricately knit sweaters. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rootbound. I'm the host of the show, and my name is Steve And normally on Rootbound, I invite a guest who joins me on the show to share with us all about a plant that means something to them, and I share with a guest about a plant that means something to me, and through this process we can all learn more about plants and learn more about each other. But in case you haven't guessed it already, this is one of those special season episodes where we talk about a season and plants in general, and this season is fall. Now, I'm currently sitting in a hotel room in Wisconsin. Uh, I really plan to have this episode... um, recorded on a hike uh, nearby, Uh, but it was raining, and I guess that's what happens in the fall, but uh, that's why I am recording the intro in a hotel room. Um, But I did have a nice conversation at a restaurant with some friends about uh, fall, and in particular, fall leaves. So let's now magically transport to this restaurant. You'll hear the ambient sounds I left in lots of, like, pauses. This is a pretty verite episode. I left in, like, pauses where, like, the, you know, server was coming by and giving us stuff. Um, But I thought it was entertaining, at least to me. So I hope it is to you. And, uh, yeah, let's give it a listen. Hey, everybody. uh, This is Steve here, host of the show, Rootbound. You probably know that. Um, and this is the special fall episode of the show where, where we talk about uh, plants and fall in general. And I'm here at a table at a restaurant. We're actually in um, Kohler, Wisconsin, which is kind of a random place to be, but that's where we are. And I'm sitting at the table with, um, with as normal on these episodes, my wife, Carla. Say hi. Hello. Also, we have Tish over here. Hello. And Kendall. Hello. And yeah, we're going to talk about, uh, about fall and plants in general. I have a few things to talk about. One, we're in a restaurant. I, I planned, a, a Tish and Kindle don't know this, I really wanted to do this. We were going to go on a hike yesterday, this place called Lyndon's, uh, Lyndon Gorge Park that we heard about, and we were going to go on a hike, and I was going to record this episode outside and look at fall plants, but it is raining, which is, I think, a pretty fall thing. Oh, audience also might be able to hear our little kid uh, making some sounds in the background, so that's what that is. Lots of background sounds. Um, which is normal on these uh, season episodes. So yeah, uh, I think uh, rain is quite common in the fall, and I I was like, you know, I guess it's one of those things that's maybe kind of obvious, but it's like, why is it rainy in the fall? And there's apparently a ton of reasons, but the main one is just that temperature change causes, it's more 
condensation happens easier when it starts to get cooler. And, and that's also why I think why it's like more drizzly often than in the summer because in the summer when it rains it's got to like overcome the heat to condense and so then you get these massive amounts of water that are like pouring out but in the in the in the fall it's starting to like drizzle more because it's getting cooler so that's 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 the first thing i have to say about fall and that has to do with plants because you know plants love love rain it's really interesting yeah (laughs) um okay if anyone has, wants to jump in with anything about plants and fall, feel free. But I have a couple interesting... I, I, I'm going to focus this... We've done a couple... Oh, I, oh, to oh. I want to listen to Tish's story that she was telling earlier. Oh, yeah. What was that about? The leaves. Yeah, the leaves. Or the hornet's nest. Let's start with the leaves, because that's <laughs> going to be the, my theme on this episode is leaves. I'm going to talk a lot about leaves. leaves. Yeah. Sure. So I can... We, we know a thing or two about leaves. So like most millennials, Kendall and I uh, bought our house in uh, June of 2020. <laughs> and uh, we were previously living in New York City. So we've quickly learned a lot about uh, living in the burbs, living in a house, an old house, and having lots of trees and leaves nearby. So this is now our third fall as homeowners. Um, and I think one thing that we've learned is that uh, with leaves come ticks, especially where we are in Westchester County, just north of New York City. Um, So we have kind of a big yard and a lot of deer kind of come through our area. And so with deer, they carry ticks and these ticks find themselves kind of attached to the leaves. And we have a dog and our dog, his name is Hudson. Hudson loves to jump in the leaves and walk (laughs) through the leaves. And so the ticks find themselves attached to our dog. Um, On really any given day during the fall, we could pull, you know, just five to six on average ticks off Hudson, even just from him just going outside briefly. Um, And so it's definitely something that's always top of mind. You know, I think Kendall and I also make sure to always check ourselves for ticks. Anytime that we're outside, we go on a hike or, you know, we're, we come inside, you know, always wear high socks, long pants, long shirts. Um, you know, we found them kind of around our necks. Like we found them on our ankles, on Ooh. our legs. So it's definitely always something to be super, super cautious of. That's super interesting. We, we talked about ticks on the summer episode because we were up in the Catskills and there's a lot of mm. issues. And I, I, don't, I always think of ticks as like a summer thing. I never actually thought about them as a fall thing. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I think maybe in the summer in the Catskills just mm-hmm. because. Yes, yes right here. Thank you. <laughs> She's got two. Yeah, excuse that small interruption. We just got delivered uh, some uh, beer, warm beer donuts, and uh, the uh, server decided to to to. Uh, declare how cute our baby is which is true um so but yeah i mean i would see in the catskills during the summer i could see that just because there are still like a ton of deer in that area you know wildlife in general there's still tons of you know leaves on the ground from you know previous falls right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i could see that i think in our area it's it's still light concern during the summer but i'd say it's I think tick season is primarily spring through fall, mm. uh, with fall being kind of the peak. Interesting. Of ticks. Interesting. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I never thought about the facts of leaves. That actually leads into uh, something. Well, I'll talk. I'll talk about this later. I have. I have something that you you just provided some clarity on something I want to talk about later, which is interesting. I'll, I'll come back to it though. Um, 
Do you have any uh, commentary on the ticks, uh, Kendall? Uh, <laughs> and the leaves? Oh. This way, yeah. Uh, on the ticks. Oh, what? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, the ticks are dangerous. I, I had my first tick experience uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, I was uh, about to take a shower and noticed there was a tick on my back. Oh. And it was. It's a really... Uh, unsettling experience so have you seen them in the leaves like or do you, you only see them when they end up on the dog I've I've never seen them on the leaves I've only seen them end up on the dogs and on my back uh, mm-hmm. two weeks ago mm-hmm. they had yeah, so it, oh yeah it's amazing how I mean we talk, I think we talked a little bit in the, in the last episode but yeah they have these three different phases and they like require a blood meal between each mm-hmm. and so like the big ones you always like see in pictures are like just the last stage that first stage is really tiny. There's like a picture going around the internet that shows like a poppy seed muffin that also has ticks on it. (laughs) And someone's like, can you see the ticks versus the poppy seeds? And it's tricky. Yeah, it was about the size of uh, the lead on the edge of a pencil. I would say like very small. Yeah. Man, I'm I'm glad. Well, we do have ticks at where we are, but we avoid them there. Man, I did, but I didn't know about the leaf part. That is an interesting thing uh, that that they, I guess, make sense though. Good place to hide. <laughs> I'd say the other other thing that uh, as new homeowners we've experienced with leaves, uh, at least in our town, is that they come like twice a season, I think, and they like suck up all the leaves and uh, kind of like turn basically turn into mulch and compost. But uh, I grew up in Maryland, and I don't think our local towns or counties did that. I think you had to bag them, and I think maybe you could take them somewhere um, after they were bagged. But it's nice that kind of where we are, you, you just get them into a pile near the street and then they, they take care of it. But at the, at the same token, since it's only twice a month, uh, it's a little bit of a game of whack-a-mole with the leaves as one neighbor will blow all the leaves down to the street yeah. and then the leaves will then subsequently blow down onto your yard. And because we live on a hill, we then sometimes also blow the leaves further down the hill into uh, <laughs> another open area. So it's just a continuous game of like, where do the leaves actually go? Yeah. Where do they actually end up? So, so that actually leads me to what I was thinking about leaves. One of the things I was thinking about leaves. Okay, so I was just thinking about why, why do we rake leaves? You know, and, and, and maybe if you're trying to get rid of the homes for ticks, I think that is a really a valid excuse. But I was trying to wonder, I was like, it's kind of a weird thing. And there's actually this movement now, and actually USDA and, and EPA and everyone, is there's this movement to leave the leaves because they are, I guess we've established, they are a great habitat, <laughs> in this case for ticks, but they're habitat for lots of other creatures. Lots of uh, insects and reptiles lay their eggs in, in fall leaves. Um, birds use leaves for making nests. They're really a key. And also... They're normally gone by pretty early in the spring. They they do a good job of breaking down, um, and I couldn't find I couldn't find anything that was. There's actually a really good article which I'll link in the show notes um, on Atlas Obscura that's all about the history of the rake, <laughs> which is pretty interesting. Uh, it was a really interesting article, but it didn't really get into the fact of like why is like raking and bagging leaves like a really common thing, and I think it's particularly an American thing. But what I think it is is it, it comes from the rise of the American lawn. And then if you get leaves on your lawn, leaves have a tendency to smother, particularly those lawn species of grass. Um, it, so, so I think it became this, this, the American obsession with the lawn became the American obsession with raking the leaves. 
hmm. which is pretty interesting. Interesting, yeah. Um, you know, to that end, we've had in our in our, in our town. So we live in the village of Pleasantville, which is in Westchester County. Um, our town has recently banned was it electric or no gas powered. Uh, leaf blowers, yeah, which brings like an even another dimension to this. It is such a bizarre thing that like there's these things that really you could just leave on the ground, and now we've developed technology that uses fossil fuels to like move them. Yeah, it is kind of a weird system that we created. <laughs> but I would say like where we are, because there are so many trees, like it just wouldn't be feasible to leave all of the leaves on the ground, like. Besides, like, you know, obviously people caring about having their lawns and having grass. Like, I mean, after all of the leaves fall off the tree, like, we're talking, like, six inches deep plus of leaves across our whole yard. And it just, you can't even, like, walk through it. It's so deep. The the, um, method that is is, um, suggested by by USDA and a lot of groups is to just run your lawnmower over them Uh, and they chop them up and then then they go away really quickly, pretty darn quickly. But yeah, there are there are probably there are probably situations where you do need to manage the physical amount of them. But what is even more bizarre is this system. Now, certain places where they suck them up and then they, they the city composts them. That's like super cool. The county I live in does that. But there is this really uh, major issue where people bag leaves in non-biodegradable bags and then they get sent to the landfill. And yeah. that is like a thing that happens. And so I have this this mind-blowing stat, which is in 2018. Landfills in the U.S. received approximately 10.5 million tons of yard trimmings, and that compromises 7.2% of all municipal solid waste in landfills. Wow. And, and when you put leaves in a landfill, they can't properly decompose, and they end up decomposing in a way that generates methane, which is uh, a contributor to climate change. So, so, And that's just people like scraping stuff off their lawns and putting them in, 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 in like plastic bags. It's very strange. Wow. <laughs> So, mow the leaves, people. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, hopefully there's a system that you can, like, you know, municipal uh, compost, if you can get your city to do that, or if you have your own compost bin, you can put them in there. Um, but it's, a, yeah, it's, I, I, was, I was blown away by that stat. 7.2% of, of landfills is just leaves. Wow. <laughs> so that's, that's what, that was my, I think, what I was mainly thinking about fall leaves and I think your talk about ticks and also about this idea of like how, how people deal with them. I was thinking about that a lot. Yeah. Well, now I feel a little guilty that we, we just had the blower leaves because we're, we're actually growing a front lawn. Uh, we're trying to, trying to grow a front lawn. Um, so we just uh, tore up our lawn and uh, threw some topsoil on it and then we had it aerated and overseeded for some attempt to get some kind of green grass for our young uh, young six-month-year-old to hopefully walk across in the spring. Which will... That, I, I definitely don't want the, the kid in the leaves where the ticks are either, yeah. too. I think that is definitely something to avoid. Yeah. Um, Carly, do you have any thoughts on on fall and leaves or any other leaf and uh, our fall and plant-related topic? Um, not particularly. (laughs) I mean, I just wanted to emphasize that it is also important for species other than ticks um, to hide, but you know, I think you covered that pretty well. And there's the baby's trying to grab the microphone. Um, Okay. Um, I do have, um, I do have one other interesting leaf related fun fact and dazzling detail to share. Um, Oh, Oh, one other thing. One other thing. 
if you have a compost bin, apparently pound for pound, leaves contain twice the mineral content of manure. <laughs> oh, there's uh, some some uh, funny picture that's uh, apparently not for my consumption um, being showed. But yeah, they're they're very good. Like like they're really useful. The Farmer's Almanac. They're really useful uh, uh, composting component. So. Um, it's a really great resource, and I think if you have the option, you know, you can keep them and use them for gardening purposes instead of, like, you know, putting them... I, I think leaf management is something you got to do, but I think we should avoid putting them in plastic bags and sending them to landfill. I think that is probably key. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, I was go- doing a quick Google search because yeah. uh, another story about leaves that's on topic here... So as new homeowners, Kendall and I have also uh, become well acquainted with our local wildlife. Mm. So I mentioned that we have deer that go through our yard. We also have a fox. We're pretty sure a fox den is in our yard. And then our most recent addition has been a very fat, very cute groundhog. We have a groundhog too. And this groundhog is a chunky boy. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, he loves to munch on the leaves. So I was doing a quick Google search to confirm that groundhogs do, in fact, eat leaves. Mm. So I think on the same theme of, like, it being good for, you know, certain habitats, uh, you know, for, for animals, groundhogs are among those. And uh, he, he loves to chomp on those leaves. Gra- groundhogs are such cool animals. We have one in our yard, too. He's so funny. When I startle him and he runs away, it's hilarious. And one interesting thing about groundhogs is that, so they are 100% herbivores. So all a fat groundhog, all he's eating is plants. <laughs> and it's a lot of work to digest that much plant material and turn it into fat. You know, I was just thinking that. I'm like, how many leaves does this yeah. little guy have to eat to yeah. maintain his chunk? Totally. And another thing about <laughs> groundhogs is that they are, they are a true hibernator. So like bears don't truly hibernate. They like sleep through the winter, but they kind of get up and go... Groundhogs just conk out for like three or four months. <laughs> and so they have to get all that energy from only plants, and then they go in a hole, and then like literally, apparently, like you can poke one, and they're just like comatose for three months. Yeah. Well, no wonder they've chosen our yard as their <laughs> habitat, because there is obviously a plethora of leaves. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really that's really cute. I love those guys. Um, they're good. I wonder if he's also fertilizing your lawn with all of that digested plant matter. Oh, I, I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. So hopefully yeah. that'll help Kendall's grass grow. <laughs> Other random uh, uh, groundhog fact that I, that I happen to know, they're also known as woodchucks, but they don't have anything to do with wood or chucking. Huh. It is apparently, I don't I think it's, I think the word woodchuck is, I think it's, based on an Algonquin, Algonquin word that's like woo-chuck or something like that, and it just became woodchuck. But yeah, they have literally nothing to do with wood or chucking. That's interesting. I guess I always assumed that a woodchuck was a separate animal. Yeah, woodchucks and groundhogs are all the same. Interesting. And uh, also, you could also uh, accurately call them a marmot because they are in the uh, genus oh, Marmota. But most of the time when you think of marmots, you think of a, a, of a European animal that's also in the same genus. But yeah. Yeah, because when I first saw a marmot, I thought it looked like a bigger chipmunk. Yeah, they're, I think that the European marmots are a bit smaller than the American woodchuck, but uh, they're in the same genus. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, I think the Spanish word is marmota, right? Yes. Yeah, for, for woodchuck. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, the, okay, the last, uh, la- if anyone else is going to jump in, but my last fall leaf-related fun fact and dazzling detail has to do with, apparently, 
in Japan, there is a tradition of uh, making tempura maple leaves. And they take a maple leaf and they, they batter it with like a sweet tempura batter and they fry it. <laughs> and I guess the leaf doesn't really taste like much. It's more of just like a vessel for like the sweet <laughs> batter. But it has that cool five leaf maple leaf shape. Yeah, I was wondering really cool. if it like maintained its shape. Yeah, it looks really cool. And, and there's cool. a bunch of, so it, there, there's, there's another, uh, I ended up with two Atlas Obscura articles. Um, the one about rakes and then this one about, um, about uh, oh. the fried leaves. But um, the, the, the one about the fried leaves, um, there are some people who say that this fried leaf tradition is like really ancient, but most people agree that it actually happened around the turn of the century in this town called, I think, Mimo or Maimo, Japan. Don't quote me on that audience. I might be wrong. But they have a really famous like waterfall that has these really beautiful maple trees, and some genius guy decided to like make this tourist attraction food for all the tourists coming to see the falls and so there's these fried maple leaves and it's pretty common and and there's a bunch of different recipes one of the recipes says you take the young leaves and you they age them in salt for a year and then they fry them but some people say you can just take like the red ones from the tree and fry them too so i might try that we've got we've got a silver maple in our yard i might try some tempura maple leaves we have we have several japanese maple trees so we could also try this and let you know yeah, I I wonder, I wonder if they've done the combo of that with some maple syrup because it sounds like that would also be a pretty good vessel for some maple syrup. I think so. I, I think it is common now, even though maple syrup is a is you know traditionally a very American thing. Of course. Um, <laughs> but I wonder if you know Jap. You know, I wonder the tradition of making syrup is based on like an indigenous American thing. Um, but I wonder. I mean, it must be. I, I I'm gonna definitely try that. I've got some maple syrup. I'm gonna do it. So anyway, that's that sounds like a fun way to eat, to eat the fall. Eat the fall. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else have anything to jump in, or should we just wrap it up? It sounds like a perfectly good way to end, end the show about eating the fall. So yeah, that's the special fall episode of this episode. Thank you to to Carla and Tish and Kendall, and also our little daughter here who's trying to grab uh, something off the table. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next episode. Welcome to the Birdtown Leap Freaking Championships. Ah, oh, the drama of the slatted broom clearing away the colorful skein of autumn to make way for the frosty rhyme of winter. I love a good game of lawn harrowing. Such a rustic and scrapey croquet. So whether you decide to leave the leaves or you decide to rake them to get rid of habitats for ticks in your yard, I think we can all agree that we shouldn't be putting leaves in non-biodegradable bags anymore. Can we all agree on that? I think that's a great move. Um, but yeah, the the whole fall leaf thing's pretty complicated topic and a really fascinating conversation. So uh, that's uh, the end of this episode of Rootbound. Thank you for listening. My guests on this special fall episode of Rootbound were the Pollies, Tish and Kindle, and of course my wife Carla, and our little pumpkin. Rootbound is hosted by a guy who does not rake the leaves, Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Krikoskota. Fake ads by David Lani. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, gather some maple leaves and then go fry them up. That sounds actually, like, pretty good.
There's no autumn leaves without deciduous trees. I feel like that could have that could be something, but no. 